when you first got to the varsity at Servite, who was the first person to bust your butt? Or what was that welcome to varsity moment when you realized this was a whole different level? You know, playing at Servite in Anaheim, and at that time it was the Angeles League, now it's the Trinity League. It, first of all, it was a long, long time ago. Um, I much more vividly remember their traditions and expectations of what a Servite friar uh, was supposed to conduct himself like on and off the field. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly wouldn't call it a military school, but it was pretty darn close. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the traditions, the hut drill, um, the, the, the curia, the getting together in the locker room the week before and shaving everybody's head, camp week, you know, where, you know, everybody talks about two days. And I grew up in a time when we practiced four times in one day. Wow. Um, so, you know, those, those memories, those traditions, those expectations, you know, and, and it was, there was a full of, of class personnel, good personnel on, on the, the team all, you know, moved on to the college level, some to the NFL level. Um, it was just, you know, the expectations and, and, you know, and I know the rumor is that, that kids get recruited to Catholic schools in Southern California. And I, that might be true now. Um, they, they didn't know who I was till I showed up. Mm -hmm. I got sent there by a concerned father um, <laughs> yes. on my lifestyle choices as a junior high student. Um, so no, it was, it was great. It's, it's something I will tell you, Servite has made me the, you know, while my parents did a great job, I'm definitely a Servite man. I'm definitely, um, and I'm very proud of that. Um, I love my alma mater. I love the league they play in. I'm not as, um, I'm not as stuck in um, the hatred towards our fellow schools because as you graduate, you kind of you kind of get to know those guys and you realize, you know, it's the same message. It's just a different mascot and different school colors. All those Catholic schools are are preaching and teaching the same things. And so while you grow up hating each other, um, bitterly hating each other, uh, you come to find out. 10, 20 years after you graduate, you start running into people. Uh, you realize that they're just like you, and it was all the same message, just just different mascots, different school colors. Well, Coach, you, you look back so fondly on those memories and those traditions, but I got to ask you. You told me that you, <laughs> you literally ran into Tony Munoz, and I my jaw about hit the floor. I mean, we're talking – uh, I got him. he's a goat. I mean, he's a hall of famer. He's a living legend. So tell us that story. <laughs> um, it's one of, it's my first varsity game. We're playing Chafee, uh, where Anthony Wynn is out in the Ontario, beautiful little school, beautiful little stadium, pretty rich little public school tradition. We eked a 10, three win, but, um, I got, I was in, I got put in, uh, for a little bit for a kid got injured. And um, it was wing T versus option. And, you know, they were wing T and here comes Buck Sweep. And oh boy, here comes Anthony. And <laughs> um, I'm, I'm long on courage, not long on smarts. Um, <laughs> and I uh, came up to do my job um, and got blasted um, pretty good. Um, 
he he won't remember because he's done that to a lot of people. But I sure. vividly remember uh, eking out a 10-3 win at Chafee. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, a marvelous human being. You know, and I'm glad to be part of that uh, legacy. I guess um, probably would have liked to make a better showing, but. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy Alright, so welcome back to episode 13 of the Team Player Podcast It is my honor to, uh, th- this resume y'all that I'm looking at I mean it is, it, 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 it is long, it is impressive This was a new idea as we approach summertime here, you know, schools letting out you know, we're, you know, we're moving here into the month of June. I, I got the idea of let's do a team player podcast virtual road trip. You know, we're still doing this all via Zoom, but let's, let's go to some other states, right? We've been all kind of focused on the Houston area. And I asked my good friend, Chris Fisher, he, he is the creator and leader of Texas High School Football Chat. Please check that out if you have not already. Such great content there from Coach Fisher. And he told me, Kobo, you have got to get K-Dog Swift on your show. That is Kevin Swift. He has two big state championships on his resume in 07 and 2011, along with being the Oregon uh, coach of the year in those two years. He's a retired head football coach, and he's still currently the AD. At, 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 now at, retired, at, retired. Retired as well. Retired. Okay. Didn't, um, yeah. Sorry about that. So he recently retired AD as well from Gold Beach High School in Gold Beach, Oregon. Welcome to the show, Kevin Swift. Thanks for coming, Coach. Hey, it's – I'm – you know, anything, you know, I'm a big fan of Texas chat. I was on it last night. Um, when you reached out and mentioned Chris's name, I, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Um, he's, he's a marvelous host. He's, he's a good man. He's a great, he's my favorite marine biologist. Um, <laughs> so he'll tell you, he's not a marine biologist, but I gave him the honorary title. Um, it's always but, Shark Week in Coach Fisher's class. I yeah, it's always <laughs> yeah, just what just what a just what a surfer wants to hear every week yes. from his buddy. Yes, yes. Shark so we week. will we will definitely get into that. So it's a lot of firsts here. You're gonna be our first guest from Oregon, uh, or you're you're actually well. We'll get into your background. You're not necessarily from Oregon, but you're your first guest residing in Oregon. You're our first surfer. So I am so excited to get into this. We always celebrate <laughs> firsts on our show. Uh, but if you're if you're a part of this team player movement, make sure you've given us a five star review. We've got we've got over 20 on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That helps us so much to, to help more people find our show when they search for sports podcasts and things like that. So please leave those five star reviews. Uh, I, I always read new ones on the show, so yeah, leave one. I'll, I'll read it on the next episode of the show. Hit the follow button to subscribe and get all the latest updates in your queue as soon as they come out. We will be honored if the Team Player Podcast made it into your rotation. And then keep up with Team Player Podcast updates by following me. I'm your host, James Kobleski, on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. All right, Coach Swift, let's let's dive into this. You're a SoCal guy. I remember growing yeah, up, I, 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 li- 
I'd listen to Jim Rome on the radio and he always be talking about SoCal, NoCal. So that's when I first was introduced to that term as young, as young man. But you, you, you said you're from SoCal, South Orange County, Dana Point. And yeah, so, um, so, yeah, describe to us what your upbringing. I'm a, Dana Point was uh, about eight, 70, 80 miles south of uh, Los Angeles City proper. It's, this, it's, the, it's the next county south from L.A., um, South Orange County, where I grew up, San Clemente, Dana Point, Cabos Rondo Beach, are communities that sit on the north gate of Camp Pendleton. Um, I know it's hard for people to believe. Uh, when I grew up, uh, South Orange County was rural. It was cattle ranchers, orange, a lot of Basque, orange grove, uh, citrus, um, ranching, sheep, um, and equestrian. Uh, it, you know, we rode horses to the beach and tied up the horses and went and, you know, I remember driving the Servite uh, in the spring and coming home after baseball practice and you rolled down your windows because from about Tustin to El Toro Air Station, there were orange groves that were in bloom. And, and if you've ever had a chance to smell orange blossoms blossom, there, there might not be a better odor wow. in the wow. world. Um, I don't think there's an orange tree left in Orange County now. Sure. Um, sure. But uh, so, you know, grew up there, um, kind of fell in love, you know, grew up on the beach. Um, remember asking my dad when I was seven for a mini bike and he laughed, fell off the chair and said, no, that's not going to happen. How about a surfboard? Uh, best thing he ever did for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I would have killed myself on a mini bike. I would have. Um, so, you know, fell in love with the beach and surfing and, but um, came home every day to a dad who was an educator and a coach. Um, and uh, through some, uh, I don't know, juvenile antics as a junior high student, um, I was uh, told um, I would be taking the entrance exam and hopefully going to Servite. Um, and if not Servite, probably modern day um wow so i you know i got i got accepted and you know started to four year you know 42 miles away to go to high school i know that you that. could make you could make it in 40 minutes right in 1974 yeah. um so you know grew up in uh you know I, I you know i talk to kids all the time you know i go if you have goals you know you're going to be willing to sacrifice something you know, when I got when I got to high school, I, I stepped away, away from a lot of things that I really, you know, I loved being at the beach every day. I loved surfing. I loved my buddies that were going to go to Dana Hills High School, the high school I should have gone to. But I had a dream of playing college football. Mm -hmm. I know this is hard to believe, but in 1974, the Catholic high schools in Southern California were going from eight in the morning till noon every day with practice. Um, and then we went to if you were an incoming freshman, you went to an English and a math summer school class to prepare you because at Servite, we were all tracks and I got in on track six by my fingernails. <laughs> and the problem is, is by the sophomore year, there were only four tracks. Wow. So you either got better or you politely got asked to leave. Sure. Um, so, um, you know, I, I kept surfing, but much more of a loner. 
you know, getting there when I could, getting when the waves weren't that good because, you know, I, I was committed to trying to do something special for, for me and my family and my, my last name. Yeah. You know, I, I was raised um, that your last name means something. And, and you, you mentioned your, your father coach and you know, so football is kind of in your blood. You said that he was a high school science teacher and football coach for 52 years. You started yeah. breaking down film with him at age 10. So just what was that dynamic like to, to be a coach's son? Well, I think my career was pretty much decided in fourth, <laughs> fifth grade. Right. Um, you know, all I ever wanted to be called was coach. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I saw how it lit my father's life up. I saw the impact that he had on uh, young people. You know, while he was a fantastic football coach, um, he was even a better track coach, something his son never really got into. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I, you know, they told me at a young age, you know, you know, you don't want to be a teacher. You're not going to make much money. You're not, you're not going to be appreciated. You're not going to be respected. You know, all those things. Yeah, and I said, you know, why do you guys do it? And they go, well, because we make a difference in young people's life and they're our future. I go, well, then why wouldn't I want to do that? He goes, well, now that you've gone through all the trials and tribulations, if you're sure you want, this is what you want to do, we got your back 100%, let's go do it. Um, but I think they wanted to lay out a pretty clear picture of what a career in education looked like. Mm -hmm. um and my dad had a great career my mom had a great career but you know we, we no one makes a lot of money no one makes enough money um it's hard um so um you know so I got into education and coaching and and um I knew at a young age that you know and I look at the knowledge that I obtained from about 10 to about 18, because not only do we have great coaches at Survey, that want to coach at the collegiate rates. You know, I was surrounded by, uh, you know, great coaches. The guy that my dad started his career with, Ray Soleri, you know, modern day had this big thing yesterday about the three Heisman Trophy winners. I saw well, that. John, John yes. Hewitt, their first Heisman Trophy winner, great guy. Yes. Lost in, the, lost in the finals to South Pasadena, which was coached by Ray Soleri. And my father. I was going to um, ask you about him, Coach, because I, I saw the same thing you saw. I, I knew about Matt Leinart, of course, and Bryce Young. And then I, I, John Hewitt, I, I'm not obviously not familiar with. I think it was 1964, won it for Notre Dame as a quarterback. So I was, was going to ask you, that's so cool that you brought that up. Yeah. Um, South Pass uh, was a, was a, had a rich um, football tradition. It was kind of the golden age of L.A. County football. 50s, early 60s, and uh, my dad, right out of college, got hired by Ray at South Pasadena, and, you know, Ray had played at Cal on uh, Pappy uh, Wal Wahlberg's, I think Wal Wahlberg's team, big wing tee guy, mm -hmm. so um, I remember watching the black and white footage, I remember all the, the games, I remember the color, I remember the Coliseum being packed for the Pico Rivera Anaheim CIF championships. I mean, what everybody's experiencing in, in uh, Texas is what a lot of us experienced in Southern California in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I kind of, you know, I, I learned really early I wasn't going to play in the NFL. Um, so at a survey where I played football, baseball, and surfed, 
Um, I got cut by my godfather, so I couldn't play basketball. He put his arm, he put his arm around me. He says, you know, winter's when the best waves are, and you know you really want to be surfing. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah I kind of do. Um, so from like the end of football season till the middle of February, you know, I could cruise home every day, two o'clock and go see my buddies, hop in some waves and uh, have a good time till baseball season started. Awesome. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, you know, it's a sport now in Southern California. I wish it was a sport when I was at high school. Comp- competitive surfing was just beginning when I was high school, but it was it was amateur organizations putting them on for high school students. It wasn't sanctioned mm-hmm. by CIF like it is now. Um, you know, and, you know, there's a good friend of mine, uh, a former football coach, just a surf coach at Huntington Beach High, and his first two hours of the day are at the beach, letting the kids <laughs> oh. surf, get their PE credit in. Yeah. I'm like, you know, what a great job. Um, and, uh, and, you know, my, my high school overlooks, the, I mean, I look at, at waves every day from my classroom. It's just the water temperature is about 48. Um, but uh, so had a, had a good career at Servite. And, um, you know, I have some brothers that I'm, you know, forever um, close with, you know, um, Shane Bouchelle's dad and I played together at Servite. Um, oh, cool. Okay. We all got it. We all got inducted into the uh, Servite Hall of Fame. Our baseball team had won uh, the CIF championship. Had Mike, had Steve Bouchelle and Mike Wood, who played for the Angels, do a perfect game. So we all got inducted. And I, I got a chance to meet Shane. And what a marvelous young man and what a marvelous quarterback. And mm-hmm. It's a shame the Longhorn screwed that one up. Um, but uh, and I had a survey, um, old college rival of my dad saw me and decided he'd roll the dice and take a chance on a Southern California kid. And so I got offered a, a football scholarship at the University of Northern Iowa. I got you. I got to, I got to set the stage for this coach. So for, for our listeners, okay. a lot of our listeners are in Houston, Texas, or something, you know, so University of Northern Iowa may not mean a whole lot to them. But for me, my coaching mentor, Brett Sniffen, is from Waterloo, Iowa. And he, he did go, he did attend a university in Northern Iowa. So I'm very familiar with it. Now my company Dactronics is in Brookings, South Dakota. So the thing I was, I think you're going to agree with me. I've learned that South Dakota state in Brookings, North Dakota state in Fargo, you and I uh, out there uh, in Cedar Falls, they could play some football now. <laughs> they really oh, yeah, have some was, great programs though. It, just, it was, yeah. it, it was a great experience. You know, I, I came back for a variety of reasons. You know, the first and foremost is I, I tore my knee up pretty bad. Okay. For like the third time. Um, and the people in the Midwest are the salt of the earth. I mean, the, the friends that I made at Northern Iowa are still friends today. I, I don't know how anybody could live in the Midwest. I, I don't know how they can do it. I mean. Yeah. I want to hear about the culture shock. What was that like for you being a it was, you know, <laughs> Well, you know, I. You know, my parents look at me going, you sure you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, well, you know, why not? Um, and, uh, yeah, it was more of a culture shock for me because it was just one Californian in a land of Midwesterners. But, um, it, you know, you know, 
letting you know when a disaster is coming. You know, earthquakes, hey, they're here. Have fun. Yeah. There's no warning, but, you know, the tornado sirens for an hour letting you know, hey, it's on your way. Get ready. Was a little nerve-wracking. Um, um, I, I went to Iowa thinking I was going to get great corn on the cob and not realizing <laughs> that they grow feed corn. Oh, um, yeah. So I went to Iowa and I, you know, had a great time, played two years, um, didn't play much as a freshman, got some playing time as a sophomore. And, but, you know, my wife says, you know, you keep talking about taking another football job someplace and you can't live anywhere but on the coast. And I'm like, damn it, she knows me. Um, <laughs> you know, I, you know, some of the things you learn as you get older I like that ocean water. I like that breeze. I like, uh, I, you know, I don't surf quite as much as I used to. That was 63. my question. Do you still get on the board? Yeah, I haven't been on it a couple of years. Okay. I, I, I was having trouble finding my, here, I'm going to give you a surfing expression for old <laughs> farts. I was having trouble finding my feet. Okay. Um, and basically, um, I had to have some foot surgery to clean up a, a, a mess of a foot, you know. Mm -hmm. and uh, I have to get some weight off. But, yeah, I, I mean, I'll get back into it. I mean, awesome. it's something I, I, I can't stay away from. Um, I will be honest with you. Uh, I want more trips to home to surf in warm water. Yeah, sure. You know, something about surfing in July in a full suit and 48 degree. It's great for salmon fishing. It's not so good for surfing. Yeah, but You're a ways up the coast there. But see, so you, yeah, you went like, to but when I moved up here, I was 38, you know, your body temperature, I served, you know, I, I served a lot. When we created the program we created at Gold Beach, you know, what's tougher, building a monster or feeding a monster? It's definitely feeding the monster. Sure, sure. You know, my free time got eaten up by speaking at clinics, uh, making sure we stayed on top of the mountain, uh, organizing fundraiser camps. Um, and I had two daughters. So life, life kind of takes over for old surfers. Um, we all still are surfers at our soul. Um, and I still spend a lot of time on the beach. Uh, my wife calls it point surfing. Oh, look at that wave. Oh, look at that wave. Um, <laughs> but I had surgery in January with, and, and I'm getting my weight down in the hopes of getting back out there this summer when it's time yeah i'll be I'll, in fact I, i'll guarantee i will get back in the water we will, um, i will i will i'll check in with you coach and i'll try to hold you to that but this is i great. don't know i will i will i will i need to it's good for my mental health i think one of the things you know we have the the sheer disaster going on in schools and i think mental health is something definitely um that has to be addressed um but there's not anything better for clearing my head and clearing the toxins out of my body than spending a couple hours, you know, in God's ocean, thanking him and riding beautiful waves and right. dancing with mother nature. So yeah, it's going to happen. Besides my eldest daughter wants to learn how to surf. So that's awesome. it has to happen. I love hearing the surfing background, like from yourself, you're our first surfer. Carmen Solis Martinez was our first bowler. You know, she gave us some insight there. So I just love seeing more opportunities for kids. to. And I love he said now it's a CIF sanctioned sport. So I think that's great. But eventually after the injuries, you came back home, you finished up at the University of the Redlands, and then you started your coaching career. And similar to Ben Moran, who's uh, episode seven, 
you started in the division three coaching levels. You started at Claremont McKenna uh, two years and you were two years back at Redlands at your alma mater. So just, I'm curious, we heard Ben's perspective, but what was your kind of vibe of division three football in the, in the eighties? What was that like? I think coaching. division three football still to this day is the purest form of collegiate athletics. Kids love the game. Mm-hmm. They want to get an education. They're not getting athletic scholarships. They literally love the game. They, they work as hard and in some cases, it's harder than their D1 uh, counterparts to try to get, get things accomplished. I loved it. Division three football in, in California is extremely a uh, tough road. You know, you had a question about recruiting. Recruiting's brutal because unlike, uh, let, you know, let's say from the Rockies East, there's a ton of division three state schools where tuition is affordable. All Division three schools on the West Coast are private. Mm. You know, and then you put, so you put, you know, let's see, it was 1983. So it was probably 45, 48,000 a year to go to these private schools. And you're recruiting a kid who's a great kid, but he's going, coach, you know, I'm talking to Cornell. I'm talking, you know, because Claremont McKenna had that academic reputation. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm talking to Cornell. I'm talking to you. But I'm also talking to Saddleback Junior College where I'm going to pay 500 bucks and I go and I play and I can get a scholarship out of that. So recruiting was tough. Mm-hmm. You really had to do, you really had to sell the idea that you're going to come to a small private school and yeah, you're going to pay through the nose and, and you're going to go on the debt like we all have. Um but you're really going to create some networking and some connections that are going to, that are going to, you know, pay off in dividends. Here's a perfect example. My 2011 quarterback was destined to go to Oregon state, like everybody in his entire family had. <laughs> and uh, he goes, Hey coach Linfield called me. And I'm like, well, you got to listen. Well, tell me, I go Linfield's division three. I go, they, they're in the semis. They've won. I go. They are one of the top Division three yes, programs they are. in the state. Never mind that they're purple and pink. They're one of the top in right, the country, right. and uh, so he went there and ended up being a, a a starter and played in two semifinal games. But he just bought. He's he's not even thirty years old yet. And he just bought a multi million dollar home in Seattle. Oh wow! Because he's he's working for for Amazon. Wow. You know, and all those connections came through internships and stuff at, at, at Linfield. So, you know, pick your path and make it work. You know, pick, you know, I'm glad I went to Redlands. I probably should have gone to Cal State Long Beach since I was going to be a teacher <laughs> and not pay the private education. Oh, I did the same thing in Austin College. I can, under, I can relate. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean. Long Beach, Long Beach was playing Cal State Fullerton and Long Beach were both playing football at the time. And I know they would have taken me. Um, but uh yeah, you know, you, you do what you do. I you agree. Know? Wouldn't trade it for the world. Absolutely. I totally agree with so, you. So no, I had a great, I had a great experience. You know, I, I don't know what your gentleman's experience is. He's probably younger than me. When I was coaching division three assistants, didn't make squad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like three of us living in an apartment, right. eating a lot right. of top ramen. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, 
right about when a relationship with him was blowing up, you know, I made a decision, well, mutually, you know, Coach Maynard, who's a friend of mine, kind of, you know, we coached together at Claremont, but when the staff at Redlands goes, he said, no matter how much I want to keep you, it's out with the old and with the new, you know, that's the way the college game is. And uh, so I headed home to uh, Orange County and uh, to the thing I love, paddled out in the water and tried to figure out my life out. I was single. I was without a job. Um, God, I'm thinking back. I thought I was miserable, but I'm thinking, how could I have been miserable? I was on the water, no wife, no girlfriend, no job. Isn't that what everybody, isn't that what everybody really wants? Um, but uh, went back to Orange County and, and met up with my best friend and got a place together in Dana Point and I started coaching high school football and working towards a credential and uh, eventually met my wife and, who told me I needed to get more serious about life. And so I did. That's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. I, to tell you the truth, it's really nice coaching from August to January and then going to Bali for four months to surf <laughs> and then come back. It was really and I love my wife. I love my kids. I got the greatest life in the world. But it's like my daughter now, who's in Austin, and she's always, she's in Dominican Republican this week. She goes, what did you do when you were my age, Dad? I'm like, you know what I did. Well, then don't get upset because I'm doing like, I'm not upset. I'm jealous. I want to do it again. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. so, you know, started, um, I was a defensive mercenary. I mean, I grew up a defensive coach. Um, I love defense. I haven't coached it in 100 years. Um, but was a defensive mercenary, kind of bouncing around, landed, rubbing elbows with some really good coaches, learning the game. Um, and then in 97, when um, our first child was born, and my wife kind of looked at me, and she goes, you know, you can get us out of here. Um, you know, I, I had been runner up to, I don't know how many head coaches I lost track, you know, oh, you're a finalist, you interview and, oh, we're going to go with the other guy because he has experience going three and six his entire life. Um, so you, you run into the good old boy network, no matter where you're at. You know, I thought by coming to Gold Beach, I'd get away from it. But, you know, the minute I got here, well, that's not how we do things in Gold Beach. I'm like, well, How's that winning going for you? <laughs> um, so uh, in 1997, sent a resume up here, and they uh, they still laugh about that. I go, what was so funny? I go, you had Ernie Sampezi on your resume. I go, yeah, I know. I coached Ernie's kid. He gave me a chance to go to the NFL. I know. He told us that when we called him. I go, well, so what's so funny? He goes, you're the only candidate that had an NFL coach on your resume. I'm like, I was also the only dumb enough candidate to take the job you lied everything about. <laughs> they, go, they go, yeah. So that I would give advice to, to young coaches. You know, you're not going to get hired by the defending state champion as a head coach. Sure, sure. You're going to get hired by a program that's down and out, underperforming, got um, over-involved parents and all the things that go with it, you're, you know, no one takes over. I, I'm not saying 
ever because we all know what happens. But most head coaching jobs are open because the previous guy hasn't met the success that they wanted. Um, this, this I, I want to dig into this, Coach, if you don't mind, because this really interests me because uh, Coach uh, Chris O.R., two weeks ago had the same experience in basketball he you know his as an assistant you know he he was on a, on a team that was a state finalist you know and and so that happens a lot right you you have you have a lot of success as an assistant and just like you described that first job can be difficult it was for me when I left Ridgepoint to come to Aldine to an 18 career record you know we didn't we didn't have success in the field I felt like I was better equipped for what you described. I was a defensive coordinator and that, that that's what my best role was you know when I got into that seat I don't know if at least at that point in my life I wasn't ready I couldn't deliver the results I didn't I, I just couldn't last like you did so for all the coaches listening that are in those situations you know they're in year two and they're two and 18 and they're just they're wondering man what can I do how did you do it like what give us some more gems on, on how you turned it around up there at Gold Beach I'm a stubborn asshole. <laughs> okay, that's my way. No, I yes, mean, sir. you know, I'm, yes, I'm Irish Catholic. I mean, about every single stereotype you can. I'm even bilingual, like Irish Catholics are. Okay. Yeah. You know, where I was showing my kids 13 days in class the other day, and I'm watching the Kennedys, and they had the pause, and I'm like, they're Irish Catholic. And they go, what does that mean? I go, the language is going to be sketchy. And the kids <laughs> just started laughing. Um, so how did I turn it around? I think you got to keep your eye on the prize. Yeah. I think you got to, I think you got to, I think you got to prioritize. What do I need first? What do I need second? What do I need third? If you try to, if you're trying to, to solve everything you need right away, you'll solve nothing. Great point. Yes, sir. Um, I think the other point, I don't think this applies in Texas. It applies to most other states. Be the best teacher on campus. Love it. I was a special ed teacher. Gold Beach had gone through a lot of lawsuits because special ed teachers and parents weren't seeing eye to eye. Um, so, um, uh, you know, getting rid of Kevin Swift as football coach, when you're going to get one of one of your better teachers. And that makes administrators think twice. Uh, make sure your administrators have the same goals you do. You know, my two administrators wanted to win state titles like I did, wanted to create, you know, the, yeah. the expression that we used up here was, we want to be in a conversation every year. We know we can't win it every year, but we want to be in a conversation every year. Um, it took six years to get there. Six years a lot of sleepless nights, you know, taking dead animals out of your mailbox, um, washing really? eggs. Really? Oh, yeah. That's like the oh, movie yeah. All the Right Moves of Tom Cruise. Well, let me, let me take and, 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 and whoever is in the middle of nowhere in Texas coaching an 11 man team in the middle of nowhere yeah. is going to relate to this. Yeah, this is great. They, they, are really good, they are really good people. They have the most unrealistic expectations of their kids. Mm. You know, the only thing holding their kid back from playing the NFL is the head coach. Sure. sure. You know, one, I'm the head coach. Two, I'm from California. What the hell does anyone from California know? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so um, you got to take baby steps. You, you got to, you better find a head coach that can be a mentor to keep your head screwed on. 
you better have a wife who loves you and is as stubborn mm-hmm. and ornery as you are um, <laughs> to say, you know, because when you say, God, I want to do this, it's time to look elsewhere. And she goes, um, not a chance. Um, awesome. Not a chance. You know, you're, you're going to be successful here. Um, come hell or high water. Um, and I think the other thing, too, and I think nobody understands this, you got to have some luck. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So in 2019, I retired in 14. And four years later, the guy I hired got out because his job wasn't permitting him to do it. And the administration asked me to come back and do it. I really didn't want to do it, but there's a sense of loyalty to the kids in the program. So I came back and did it. Holy cow, we were terrible. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, we were terrible. So we're over in Medford and we're playing um, a school over there. And officials talking to me before the game. He goes, I know you. And I'm like, okay. He goes, you created one of the premier small high school programs ever to come into existence in Oregon. What the heck are you doing it for again? You're terrible. And he put an accent on terrible. I go, I'm a coach. Yeah. Coach is coach. You know, the, the Bob Lattisere, who's one of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet at De La Salle. Yeah. Um, some of the guys in Texas, you know, I have 400 wins and 60 losses. Those are anomalies. I'm not saying they're not great coaches, but luck really shined on them. You know, most high school coaches who are in it for a career are going to be 50 games over 500 or 50 games under 500. Sure, yeah. You know, that's that's the nature of, of what we do. Um, you know, I'm proud of the lives I touched. I'm proud of the young men that I helped grow up and to be uh, outstanding young men. Uh, honestly, what helped turn it around was the kids telling their parents to shut up, we're going to do a Coach Swift's way. That's awesome. Um, you know, I... I uh, I had a group finally in 2003 after I don't know how many petitions. And, you know, I went out one day and they tried to egg my house and they couldn't reach the house. And I turned to my wife, I go, that's why we can't even win any football games. I got no arms. <laughs> and they can't, they can't reach the house. Um, oh my God, and, this is awesome. <laughs> and uh, so I had a group of kids that said, you know, let's do a coach Swift's way. Let, you know, because here's what happens somewhere we went from a tell me generation to a show me generation. You know, I got here in 97 and said, Hey, we need to lift you around. Everyone says, we don't lift you around here. And I said, Hey, we need to have spring football. They go, what's that? And it always amazes me school boards and schools hire you because you're the expert. And then you get there and they keep saying no to everything the expert says to do, you know? So getting the kids in the weight room, getting in the spring, you know, getting them to go to our own really successful summer camp was tough. Finally in 2003, a group of kids said, hey, let's do it your way. And so I threw them in a couple of Suburbans and we went to Modern Day for nine days. Yeah. The arch rival, Modern Day. Yeah. Um, and Bruce and his staff, who are good friends of mine, welcomed a bunch of rural kids from Oregon with open arms and we practiced with them and we prayed with them and we swore with them and we had a good time. And my kids said, wow, kids do work year round and they have fun and they love it. And so when we came back, we started zero period. 
And, and you know, starting in 2004 to 2014, nine league titles, five state final appearances. Thank God I'm not Marvel Levy. I won it twice. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> in, a, in a good career and, and more than anything, raised some really good, good young men that I'm extremely proud of. So. Coach. This is why I say your life should be made into a major motion picture. <laughs> I may be butchering the pronunciation. Coach uh, Laduce, Laduce, Bob, Laduce. Laduce, Laduce. I'm He's sorry. I, I've He's seen back. the movie. I've seen Coach Lad's movie. You know, it's great. So yeah, the, a book, movie. the book is better. The book okay, is right? better. And then, you know, I was talking about McFarland, USA. I haven't seen it, but I know it's about um, Kevin Costner starts a uh, – you know, he's using a migrant worker, children, you know, family to start a cross country program. And it's based on a true story. And it, but you know, so it's not exactly like your story, but there's a lot of similarities. Like you, you didn't, you weren't starting a program, but in a lot of ways you were reinventing the program. Well, had, yeah. I, I know I did. Start, I, I did start a program because. Yeah. And I think it's important for coaches to understand this. Are you going to create a great team or are you going to create a great program? Yeah. A team is one and done. I never want to be one and done. I, I mean, you know, that's just not, that's not who I am. I wanted to be in the conversation every year. And, you know, my mom came up one year before she passed because my wife used to have to leave for business and God forbid leave the daughters with a football coach. <laughs> but um, she's sitting in the stands one day and after the game, she puts her on, she goes, could you make it look any more like Servite? I'm like, mom, we don't pray. She goes, bull, you're praying. I go, yeah, I pray. But, you know, we're, you know, because, you know, we're black and gold, just like Servite was, you know, I, I said, mom, I put a little emerald green in, there's a little green in there. Yeah. And um, I think anytime you can make a public school act like a Catholic school, small C, not big C, um, the discipline, the brotherhood, the buy-in, the commitment, the, the, the things that Catholic schools do. Um, I think you have a chance at being very successful at turning kids' lives into success stories, whether that be football, whether it be opening a business, a career. You know, I don't. We didn't send a whole lot of kids D one, but we we got a whole lot of Marines. Oh, that's awesome. That I'm really, really, Absolutely. really proud of. Absolutely. Um, you know, my dad, my dad could not stop laughing when I told him I was moving to Oregon to be a small high school coach he just he just couldn't stop laughing for days i'm like what's so funny because now you're going to become a coach I'm like well i go you know i get offered two jobs a week and you're i go and he goes now you're gonna learn to coach i go what do you mean he goes you're not gonna have a trainer you're not gonna have an equipment man you'll have a couple good guys who are really good guys but can't coach their way out of a paper bag you know what are you gonna, how, how are you gonna and 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 he goes and all you want to do is sit X and O's and X and O's never won a game in their life. And I, you know, I wanted to hit them. Oh, I love it. And then this after being so up there for two yeah. years, after being, the, the son of a gun was right on everything. Absolutely spot on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you grow up in an urban area. I don't care if it's Texas, California, Ohio, Florida, you, uh, you're, you know, I was a defense. I, I coached a secondary. I coached linebackers and I was defense coordinator. I, D-line, yeah, I'm going to hire somebody. And of the 50 applicants I get, 40 of them are going to be highly qualified. You know, you come to Gold Beach, and you go, where's my coaches? Well, one's fishing, one's hunting, 
Yeah. You know, and, and they're great guys. You know, the guys that helped me um, were some of the best men in my life um, because they could have abandoned me and let the town eat me alive, but they saw something in me that said, no, he's a good kid. We got to stick with this. We got to help him get it turned around. Um, and then you got to beat the bush. You know, I had to become an offensive line coach. Heck, I even looked at like trying to become an offensive line. Um, but, you know, my first five, six years here, every clinic I went to, I was hanging out with offensive line guys, defensive line guys. I bought all of Anthony Munoz's tapes. Yep. You know, I had to teach myself every position in the game because I had to be the true expert. Now, over my career, I was able to, you know, I, my athletic director, I talked into the guy who hired me, I talked into coach and who had been a great small college player in Oregon, had been an all-state player at a big high school, and he ended up being one of the best defense coordinators I ever worked with. Um, he'll tell you, you know, you just told me what to do, and I'm like, well, you did it. Um, <clears throat> had a coach Yoda who looks like Yoda from star Wars, uh, <laughs> been with me forever has turned into a great running back coach because, you know, not only, not only do kids want to get better when you're, when you get a little bit of success, you know, we lost a 2004 state title by one point on my bad coaching, my bad coaching. Um, inexperience in a state title game, I effed it up on me. And I'll take it to my grave. And if he, why, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Well, that's between me and my quarterback. And that's going to go to the grave with us. Yeah. And so be it. Yeah. But the urgency to get better when we came back from that never left. Yeah. You know, from 04 to 14, it was always about, this is really fun. How do we keep getting better so we can stay here? Yeah. And that's as much a motivation for coaches as it is for kids. Yeah. And their parents. You know, I went from I went from, you know, the rancher in town. I know Oregon Coast has ranchers. Wagyu, yeah. really good Wagyu. Yeah. But his son was an all-state quarterback for me. When, when I got here, he was like, the kids don't lift during the summer. We don't need to do that. It's an August to September team. And I'm like, well. I want a program and a program lifts you around. Well, by 2006, when his kid's a sophomore, I'm getting coffee one morning and he starts chewing me out because the weight room is not open yet. Love it. And so, Love it. you know, you, I, you gotta keep, you gotta keep turning the rubric to, to get it to line up. And, and the solutions I had in Southern California for great and great defenses didn't always fly up here. So you had to keep mixing and matching, changing, looking at it, leaving no stone unturned. I think the hardest I ever worked as a coach was from 97 to 2004, trying to find the things that lined up that brought about the success. Um, there was no question that nine days in Southern California was the, the crowning moment of our kids, the light going off in our kids' heads. Um, but, uh, well, you know, one coach, you know, coach, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, that seems kind of like it's written out of a movie. You talked about the camp that you ran in the town 
it yeah. up there in Gold Beach and how it changed the local economy. So can you t- talk okay. about that story? So when I got here, I inherited um, from the previous coach a little four or five double wing team camp. Um, and I Californianized it. I said, we're going to go big. We're going to have evening competitions. We're going to have weightlifting and skills competitions. We're going to bring in D1 coaches to hang out and watch. Um, So the first year I ran it in 97, we had nine teams. The second year I ran it, uh, that was 98. The first year I ran it was 98. 99, we split the two sessions of 12 and one, 10 in the other. And I ran that until 2014. And there were times where we had two sessions of 16 teams, big schools, like big schools from Nevada, you know, uh, Tony Gonzalez, the former coach at Bishop Gorman, brought California High School from San Ramon. High School of 4,000 would come up. So it was a combination of really good small 11-man schools and really big, big, good 11-man powers from Idaho, California, mm-hmm. Oregon, and Washington. And, and it, it'll, it gave me the means. You know, the first thing I realized when I got here you know, it goes back to what a coach needs to do when he gets a job. Find out your number one priority that you got to get to get your program right. They had no weight room. Yeah. How can you have a football program with no weight room? Right. So the, the money that we raised um, the first five or six years I ran camp created one of Oregon's finest small school weight rooms, without a doubt. Um, and we still take pride in our weight room. Um you know, we're not, we're not a, you know, I, I don't, I don't claim to even be know how to spell the word finesse. We're going to line up and knock your teeth out, run the option at you, run a multiple D, um, stand to a lot of stemming more than blitzing. And we're going to, we're going to be that guy in the alley you don't want to deal with. Sure. That's because, because you know what? That's not this. Well, I'm not going to lie. That is who I am. But more <laughs> than anything, that was the community I inherited. They had an option tradition yes. in the 70s. Um, they take pride in being outdoorsmen. You know, our kids still hunt. Our kids, I'm not going to tell you they're not on the phones. <laughs> um, but our kids still hunt, bow hunt, and, and, and rifle. And, you know, we have some of the best elk herds in the world here um and sam i mean our kids are outdoorsmen and they take pride and they log i mean yeah the, the two the two kids that were mainstays on the 2011 team four years in a row i purposely would let them miss a morning workout in two days because i knew they were they were tracking an elk bow hunting and when <laughs> you drop a thousand pound animal what kind of workout could i give them in the morning that was going to be tougher than that sure sure Sure. And they bring Coach Backstrap. <laughs> hey, there and you go. <laughs> so, you know, and I, I would have never done that in Southern California. Never done that. Sure. Uh, so. Coach, I want to ask you one more coaching question. You, you know. Ask, ask away. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, you, 
You've got. I've talked about the two state titles. I talked about the two coach of the years in Oregon. I didn't talk about the. I went zero and nine. I went zero and nine three times. And coach, that's what I love about you. You've brought up your bad times too, and you're showing us that like people's career. You, I love what you said that most coaches are going to be fifty games below five hundred. You know, or fifty games above five hundred. So you didn't just talk about your storybook, but you also have graced the cover of the AFCA magazine. You, you didn't talk about that. You know, you kind of a. I had you know. And you're very humble, but I want to bring that up. I, I'm so impressed by that and seeing that, that, that photo. But I guess my question is, Coach, you've been at the top of the mountain. You've been 0-9 three times. I'm just like you. My first year of coaching, we went 12-1. We went and 1. My last year, 0-10. So I've seen it all, just kind of like you have. For, for, my, for our coaches that are in this community that are listening, that are struggling, what advice do you give them to keep showing up to work every day and to trust in their process and to believe in themselves? Like, what, what advice can you take from those 0-9 seasons to pass on to our community here? The storm will always pass. Yeah. The storm, you know, and, and it's not, you know, I was a, I, I was a much better coach going 0-9 than I ever was going 13. Amen. I felt the same way, coach. I felt the exact same way for myself. I mean, right. um, you know, I think, you know, I said this a couple of weeks ago on another podcast, and I think it needs to be said again. If, if, I, if I had a genie that was going to give me one wish, I think I would wish for everybody in high school football to have a state title because the minute you can remove your ego from coaching, you become a better coach. Right. Yes, sir. Cause you don't feel like you have anything to prove anymore. And I would tell you if you're coaching high school football and you got a head coaching job, you've earned it. Yeah. You don't have to win games to do that. You, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta Love keep it. working. You gotta find small victories in the face of, embarrassing defeats yes sir you know you got to um hey nobody you know 2019 my last season um we're terrible we may not have enough to play 11 man i got the kids together and i said here's what we're gonna do um we're gonna we're gonna show up every week we're gonna get throttled we're gonna get beat up but we're gonna be warriors you know, yes. we're, you guys, yes. we're going to be the gladiators of yesteryear. We're going to fulfill our obligation. We're going to show up and we're going to go out and fight. And we're going to let everybody know that whoops us that they were in a game. Yes, sir. Um, and those kids, those kids played their heart out. And I, and we kept them, the, not me, we, the town, the parents, the coaches, kept the kids together, kept them on task. They kept smiling. Um, and, you know, and God has a way of keeping you humble. Um, you know, uh, it's really nice to be at the top of the mountain. It's pretty good to be remembered what it's like on the other side. Um, and uh, I know how blessed I was. I know how blessed my family has been. Um, I know how blessed I am that God put me here. I know how blessed I am that my wife has kept me here. Um, <laughs> but um, I think you just got to, you got to believe in yourself. You got to keep working. You got to keep, you got to keep turning that Rubik's cube, yeah. trying to find the things that line up. Um, and I'm going to tell you something else. In the early years, my best coaches in terms of culture and finding out about the community and doing things were the kids that I had created relationships. 
my daughter's six years old, just learned to read, and she's reading the local paper, and she's reading a letter to the editor from someone telling me how terrible her dad is as a coach. Oh, my God. And, and how I'm a loser. And she turns <laughs> Should be to me a movie. and she goes, she goes, Dad, are you a loser? I'm like, well, technically <laughs> this year, yeah, we are. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. And it, you know, the kind of thing is funny because um, the, the owners of the newspaper were really good friends, and they called and they go, Kevin, you know, I go, hey, I would be mad if you didn't run it. Sure. You know, this country, freedom of the press, you got to do it, um, you know. But I also tell you, the kids that wrote letters to the paper on my behalf blew me away. That's awesome. They took, they took ownership for not being successful. They took ownership for not getting where everybody wanted to be. They never blame me. Their parents blame me. Yeah. That 2014 that won us that lost by a point went 0 in 10 as sophomores and freshmen. Yeah. Got their brains beat in, got mercy to where games got ended. You know, we should have played a JV schedule, but that's not who we are. Right. Um, and they will tell you that there's no 04 if there's not that 0 and 10 season because it hurt. Okay. And I, and I told him, okay, it hurts. Now, what are you going to do about it? You can say it hurts and do nothing and deal with the hurt again, or you can say this hurts, roll up your sleeves and say, it ain't going to happen again on my shift. Um, there are lessons to be found everywhere in our life. You know, I remember back to my career in California at the big high schools, and there are certain things I really miss about big Friday night lights. You know, I went down to the Surlight Modern Day game this year, mm. 22,000. It was friggin' crazy. Mm. But I think the thing that I like most about my career as a small school coach is you really become the fabric of the community. You see the kids go, you go to, you go to weddings, you go to baptisms, you go to funerals, you know, half the people that work for my wife were my students. I'm now seeing, uh, children of kids that I coached. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's it, there. I, I'm not going to kid you for one minute and say, I don't miss the big time, but like frosty at PLU said, make wherever you're at the, the big time. Yes, sir. You know, some of the things we did at gold beach, um, you know, there's not many schools that get to enter their football stadium after Kerry Wood Underwood sings the national anthem. Right. And in, and in your kids get to walk down through the stands of the home team to get to the field. So you walk through your parents, you get a kiss from your wife down at the bottom of the, I mean, wow. you know, that, that, like you said, that's movie stuff. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't think my life is any more special than anybody else. I think that I've been blessed to make a difference. And I'm really glad that I did. And I'm really, uh, and I'm, you know, I, I tell my daughters this and, and, and I got two wonderful daughters. Um, and I told them this under the disappointments, Hey, scars are important. Yes. You need scars. Yep. And they're looking at me like they're going, dad, you're cut. I go scars mean you lived. Scars mean you tried to do something important. And yeah, you might have failed, but you tried. Um, I'm proud of the scars that I wear. I am exceedingly proud of the scars I wear and the journey I've been on. It hasn't been easy. It hasn't been tough. 
Um, but man, what a journey. What a friggin' journey. What a ride. Yes, sir. I mean, yeah. a 30 year coaching career, man. <laughs> we've, we've enjoyed having you on here, uh, coach. And this is the, we've talked about your illustrious career. This is the point where we part of the show, we have a little bit of fun. We kind of get to know you a little bit more off the field a little bit. And I, we always talk about favorite teams. You have some, you have a really diverse list here, coach. You told me you're a diehard Boston Red Sox fan. Okay. So I can't wait to hear more about that. You love college football across the board. You listed Bama, Oregon, USC, Notre Dame, bunch of blue buds there. I'm wearing my Oregon Ducks jersey in your honor today. And then you said you're a big steel curtain guy. The Pittsburgh Steelers are your NFL teams. So just kind of, I, I love I love learning people's favorite teams. So just tell our fans more about like all your background of Boston and Pittsburgh and all those all those colleges. So um, I come from an Irish family, Southern California. My grandfather on my mother's side was the fire chief of Beverly Hills. Um, and uh, Ted Williams grew up in San Diego. And so um, my uh, on my mom's side, Everybody is a Bostonian uh, Red Sox. So yep. I was presented with a Ted Williams scrapbook upon my birth, read every single book, you know, moved to Gold Beach and Bobby <laughs> Dora lived up river. Um, wow. And so uh, fell in love with the Red Sox. I remember going to an angel game, seeing Carl Scrampsy play for the first time. I lost $2,000 when the ball trickled through Billy Buckner's, uh, leg wow uh, yeah yeah but uh it, you know and i've and I passed that tradition on to my daughters that's great you know my i got my bucket list is to go see a game at fenway my eldest surprised me with airlines and a ticket but then covid shut everything down oh no yeah so now we're gonna we're gonna do it we're gonna i mean it's yeah. gonna happen um and then um i'm a Steeler fan um you know, I'm a child. I grew up, you know, I'm impressionable seventies. So either sure. were Rams or Servite. Well, I mean, Rams were the Steelers. Well, Servite was black and gold. So come on Steelers. Um, um, I'm a defensive guy. You, you know, they held the Raiders to 28 yards in total offense in a playoff game one year. You know, I just fell in love. You know, Lynn Swan's a USC guy. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up in the shadows of USC. I had a lot of buddies play at USC. I was never a, a dot. I'm a fan of college football. I mean, I like SC. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I like work. I, I made a deal that wherever my daughter went to school, so she's a U of O duck. So I root for the ducks and I got to meet coach Cristobal. We being pretty good friends and what a marvelous human being. And it's awesome. Toughest decision he ever made was leaving Oregon, but if you understand anything about family, um, it made sense. Right. Um, the new guy that we got from Georgia is unbelievable. I mean, our he's, the expectations are really high, but what a charismatic, high-energy young coach who's created a great staff. You know, I, I got to root for the Longhorns. My my daughter's got go. a master's. Hook them. <laughs> I, I tried like Cal. I'm like, why are you doing this to a Californian? She goes, Dad, it's like the number one uh, ed school in the country. Um, she goes, it's great food. And she goes, and even without a state tuition, it's cheaper than anyone on the West Coast. 
He said, well, here, let me help you pack. Um, so she, and she's still in Austin. Um, I'll, be, I'll be out there 4th of July for about eight days, hanging out, trying to go see some buddies in the area. Um, That's awesome. So, and I, and how can you not like Nick Saban? And, and I mean, you know, someone asked that I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago. I'm old school. I, I, I know how to spin. Um, I know how to tear a kid down like a drill sergeant in a ring. You know, my dad asked me that. He goes, you know, you're not anything like me as a coach. I'm, what do you mean? He goes, I would never, you know, undress a kid like you undress them. And I smiled. I said, nah, that's not your personality. I get it from mom. Um, <laughs> but uh, he goes, but he goes, he goes, you're unbelievable because you'll undress a kid. And then 30 seconds later, you put your arm around the kid to tell you love him. Bingo. It has nothing to do with who he is. It's the way he played. It's his work. It's not him you're undressing. It's his performance. And I think when kids figure that out, yeah. My kids, this school wanted to hire me, and the guy was calling around. He goes, he says, I can't find anybody in the state that has anything good to say about you. <laughs> he goes, they hate you. He goes, but I talked to your kids, and he says, they'll take a bullet for you. They love yeah. you. And I'm like, yeah. A little and slow. They, Coach, they, they, my, uh, my, my mentor, Brett Sniffen, he always had, he always told us the philosophy of if you, if you rip a kid's butt in practice, you, he, he said, you make sure that you're sitting in that weight room after they shower and they're on the way out and that you give them a hug and tell them you love them. So love oh, that yeah. advice there. But let, let, I got to take a quick break here. I got to pay some bills. We're about to start our start bench cut segment. So we got to thank our sponsor, our good friends at MVP Marketing Group are sponsoring our start bench cut segment. Uh, MVP Marketing Group is a turnkey marketing solution for schools. Go to their website. You'll see testimonials from fellow Hall of Famer, just like Coach here, but a Texas Hall of Famer, uh, Denton Ryan, former head football coach and current uh, AD Joey Florence is a big proponent of the MVP Marketing Group, big client there. Other clients include Salina, Crowley, Mesquite, and the Southwest Athletic Center in Carrollton, to name a few. And so the website and contact info are in the show notes of this episode. Reach out to Mike Voglar, their CEO. He's a good friend of mine. And if you tell him that Coach Kobo sent you, he's going to work up a nice deal on a discount for services. So, all right, Coach, here we go. We're in the start bench cut portion. I don't know if you've listened to the show before, but this is where I'm going to give you three names and you're going to have to rank them essentially. So you're going to tell me out of these names, who would you start? Who would you bench? And then who, unfortunately, would you have to cut off the team? Who would be your third choice there? So we are going to start here with a special uh, Coach K-Dog edition of quarterbacks. I know you're a defensive guy, but do you like stopping quarterbacks? So I've, I've, I've got a couple people. You said you liked Alabama. So I got Broadway Joe Namath, okay? Um, you mentioned Notre Dame, so I've got Joe Montana. And then you mentioned you're a Steelers fan, so I got Terry Bradshaw. So I'm asking a start bench cut of Joe Namath, Joe Montana, and Terry Bradshaw. And I picked one alternate. If you want to throw Kenny the Snake Stabler in there, that's another Bama guy, and he's a California player in the pros. So I didn't know if you if you want to, you can put him in for one somebody. But start bench cut, Joe Namath, Joe Montana, Terry Bradshaw, coach. I think you start Montana. Okay. Um, you start. I mean, it's just hard to argue with his clutch performances. Yes. Um, I think Namath, you keep, and and sorry, Terry, you're you're on waivers. Okay, um, let's go. Let's play a little Beantown edition here. Okay, so I've got Ted Williams. I need, need I say more? <laughs> Yaz, Carl Yastrzemski. I, I'm at, obviously you can tell my name. I'm also Polish. 
My wife is from Detroit, Michigan. I went to the Polish American Sports Hall of Fame in Troy, Michigan, which is really cool. And I got to see Yastrzemski's right up there. But so I've got Ted Williams, Carl Yastrzemski, and then I went a little more modern age. We've got Manny Ramirez. So who would just start bench cut? Ted Williams, Carl Yastrzemski, Manny Ramirez. Well, I don't have to bench anybody. We got the DH now. <laughs> so I'm going to play Ted and right. I'm going to play Yaz and left. And I'm going to DH Manny. <laughs> That'll work, coach. Okay, I like it. You outsmarted the system, coach. That's why you're a two-time <laughs> state champ. <laughs> and then, but hey, coach, on the bump, though, you just got to pick one. So I've got for you Pedro Martinez, the Rocket, Houstonian, Roger Clemens. And then this is way before my time, but I know he's a Red Sox, Cy Young. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know how much you've been able to kind of study it, but that, that's my question for you. Start bench cut, Pedro Martinez, Roger Clemens, Cy Young. Holy smokes. You yeah. can't, <laughs> you got to start Cy Young. They got a stinking award name. I, yeah, I hear you. Yep. Yep. Okay. And Rod, man, Roger was stinking good, but Pedro won games. We had to win. Yeah. 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 I, I don't, I mean, God, that's tough because Roger, man, that guy, what a prick. Uh, you know and that's you know that's that's who you want on the mound i mean yeah i see what you said okay yeah you want some of that i mean um but but you know pedro is a prick too um (laughs) sorry roger you're gonna we're gonna keep you on the you know you're You're gonna cut okay so start cy young you're gonna bench pedro and and i'm gonna have to cut roger clemens Oh, coach! Yeah, but in, today, in today's game, they're all going to throw three innings. <laughs> there you go. Throw a bullpen game and throw all three of them. I like yeah. it. Uh, coach, this has been so much fun. Uh, for all the listeners, I hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it, please give us that five-star review. It takes about all of 10 seconds. That helps us so much to move up the charts so more people can hear the podcast. Hit the follow button to subscribe and hear new episodes as soon as they come out each week. And follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo for all the latest team player podcast updates. If you're loving the team player podcast and you're digging the show, we want to hear about it. Send us an email at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us if you like it, recommend people to come on the show. I mean, you, even if you want to do it, we'll, we'll bring you on the show. As always, the cover art and music for the team player podcast are provided by two of my former players that I love so much. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr and our intro and exit music is one more good enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Coach Swift. This has been an honor. It has been so much fun. Thank you so much Thanks. for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. It, 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 high energy. I mean, it sounds like, you know, I hope, I hope my buddies in Texas don't get offended by anything. So, no, no sir. It's all right. They sling it at me. They, I mean, they, you know, when you go in Texas high school football chat, you might be in a, you might get some volleys there, but I, no, I, uh, like you said, California's in Texas. Hey, where are we at? They sling, they sling it at me. Problem <laughs> is I can sling it back too. Yes, sir. Well, thank you <laughs> so right, much. Hey, nice. yeah. It's very nice meeting you. Good luck. I, I had a blast. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, coach. Thank you so much, sir. All the team players out there for your support and we'll catch y'all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more.
one more line Record the track just one more time My family think I bumped my head Lost my mind, insuring them I'm just fine, I'm good enough But I need one more boy One more line, record the track just one more time My family think I bumped my head Lost my mind, insuring them I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily But now I got a legacy 